Are you starting to notice that social media is not really the booming place for business marketing as it once was? The effectiveness of social media marketing has definitely dwindled over time, and it's become more of a noisy, negative place to hang out. We create eye-appealing graphics, write content to connect, and spend so much time doing it for it to be seen all of 10 seconds. So what's the alternative? Is there one? How do we market our online businesses in a more strategic way without having to spend all our time doing it? Well, my friend Cheryl is going to join me today to share more about some of the old school ways to market our businesses. Cheryl Cosner is the founder of Sheep School, an online sheep university that teaches people new to raising sheep about sheep health, nutrition, and grazing management. She earned her MBA in marketing prior to social media's existence, and as a small business counselor for the SBA, she counseled new business owners on building effective marketing plans without social media. Cheryl was an adjunct college marketing instructor for 25 years. She taught graduate-level marketing in Beijing, China, through a partner program with City University of Seattle. Cheryl's accomplishments include Washington State University's Women Alumna of the Year, as well as national awards for her Farm and Ranch Survival Kit financial planning program. She and her husband of 39 years ranch full-time where they raise cattle, sheep, and goats. She is the mother of three amazing adult children that she will brag about to anyone who listens. You aren't going to want to miss this episode if you don't want to build your online business with social media, but you're feeling stuck for ideas to get your products and services noticed. So let's dive in with Cheryl. Hey friend, welcome to Pursuing Goals God's Way. Have you thought about finally starting that business now that your kids are older? Do you ever stay awake wondering how to mesh your passions into purposeful work? Do you have big, ambitious goals but feel overwhelmed or even unqualified to pursue them? Hey, I'm Gabe. Not too long ago, I longed for the confidence to start an online business. I just wanted to make a difference outside my home bubble using my gifts. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't good enough, I didn't know enough, and I didn't have enough time. Until I realized something huge. My kids need me to be their example and they need to see me win. And yours do too. In this podcast, you will learn how to clarify your goals, plan with purpose, and ditch your distractions. If you're ready to make an impact and an income, all for the glory of God, then you're in the right place. As an avid runner, I believe life is one massive marathon. It's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. So lace up those running shoes, pop in your earbuds, and let's do this thing. Hey, Cheryl, thanks so much for hopping on Pursuing Goals God's Way with me. I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you. Oh, thank you for having me, Gabe. This is going to be great because uh, so many uh, folks that are content creators and online business women and men don't always recognize that there are alternatives to promoting uh, your business to in lieu of using social media. So happy to share my old school technology. <laughs> I love it. And this is why I wanted to pop you on here too, because as I came off social media, because now I'm not on it for personal or business really outside of my Facebook group, I'll go into a group if I have a question here and there, but it's specific. Mm -hmm. Like I'll go check that spot. I don't check any notifications. I don't scroll. I don't do any of that anymore, but it's been a journey to try and figure out how else to market because we have been told for so long that social media is the way to go. And it might've been the way to go a few years ago, but it, things have just shifted. So I'm excited to dive into that. But before we do, um, one of the ways I like to get my show started is to learn something that might be unique about you that people wouldn't know quite yet if they're not in your corner. Mm, yeah. 
Um, so probably the thing that I would say most people don't know about me in my in my current life is that I was a professional easel artist for 20 plus years. And I was a painter, a landscape painter, and I um, was successful in that space and had uh, a lot of national publicity and national publication and national recognition at different uh, museums and art galleries and, and in magazine articles and things. So there's the another dimension of me that people don't know too much about. I didn't know that about you. The creative side is no. coming out. Creative side is always there underlying everything. <laughs> yeah, I use it all the time. I mean, you know, I built my website and it, my fingerprints are all over that because it's a creative endeavor. And uh, so that allows me to use that. I use my creative side for, uh, you know, things like this, actually, where I'm talking about, hey, there, there's other ways. And these are creative ways that you can go about marketing your business. And, you know, I was in marketing. Um, well, I still am. I have market, I've had two previous businesses. And so um, have learned a lot in the process of having those um, businesses. And, and the one thing I think that it's important to emphasize in this conversation is that social media is a tactic. It's not a strategy. And what we're talking about here are tactics. And in order for people to be successful with their marketing, they really need to integrate multiple tactics to form their overall strategy. And the strategy has to be in alignment with your personal values, your business values, all the things that are about your business and your own aptitudes. I mean, as an introvert, social media sometimes is pretty hard. And I'm finding a lot of folks in the online space are introverted. They just sort of like doing their own thing and getting out there in front of the public social media eye, so to speak, is is uncomfortable. And so that's sort of one of the reasons why I'm only looking at it as one way to promote my business, my my new online business, Sheep School. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And I think just because the algorithm has changed and yes, it can be an effective place to market your business at times, but it's also not the only place to market your business. And sometimes we forget mm -hmm. that being in the online space. And we think that we have to have this persona or we have to have become an influencer uh, in the social media space, but we don't necessarily need to. And I know that your business journey started before social media even existed. Um, and you cur currently mm -hmm. don't use it for business at this point. So could you share just a snippet of your story and how you see marketing, even in the world of online connectedness and social media, and now AI, and all the things that are coming to exist. I see all of the things that you mentioned as, again, part of an overall strategy. And when um, when I was doing a lot of business counseling, the strategy was the umbrella. Underneath that strategy were the tactics. And the things that we're talking about with social media and AI and uh, the online space, many of those are still just tactics underneath the marketing umbrella. When I started, everything was uh, more localized. You still could do a national business for sure, but it meant um, actually picking up the phone and calling people. It meant uh, maybe attending trade shows. It meant reaching out by postcard or snail mail newsletter or those types of tools. 
And so essentially those tools are still available, but they've become digitized. And um, that's where we can still take these old school tactics and apply them to um, this new ecosystem. Uh, I personally find social media probably, if you want to call it a marketing tool for research, that's where I feel like for my business, that's the strength. You can go into a Facebook group and ask uh, questions, or you can see what questions people are asking and use that for content creation. You can use that as a springboard for creating a course because people will talk about their problems. There's a lot of ways that you can just sort of be a fly on the wall and not necessarily engage much if you don't want to. So um, that's really, if I use social media, that's what I use it for is to um, to do market research and kind of dig into what people are needing uh, in the marketplace for uh, to solve their problems. Mm, I love that you bring that up in how we can use social media, that it doesn't have to be the bad guy or it doesn't have to be like this tool just for marketing, but using it in your research. Uh, that seems like mm-hmm. a really great way to do it where you can ask those questions or you can just see what's going on. What are what are the trends? What are people talking about? Uh, what are the problems mm-hmm. they're having? How are they saying it? What is the language they're using? What a great way to utilize it just as a tool in your tool belt. Um, now, right. I'm excited right. to dive into all these other tactics that you have, all these other, what we'll call old school marketing, but really, like you said, they've <laughs> been around for a time, but they're still useful. People still use them. And it's a matter of how do we uh, transfer them into the online space? And there's definitely a way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to let you start rolling. I might talk to you back and forth. I'll pop in if I have a question, but tell me some of these different strategies that we could use. Sure. So top of my list is word of mouth. And in the online world, word of mouth travels very quickly. There obviously is reason why there's a lot of consumer information sites that do ratings like Yelp and some of those that do ratings because that's a word of mouth endorsement. And it can also be a problem for you if you aren't getting very good endorsements. So One thing that helps uh, your business tremendously is making sure that you have happy customers. Now, that isn't going to happen 100%. But one of the things that used to be a data point that I would point out to folks that were starting out in business is your customer service is absolutely everything. And that if a customer has a good experience, they'll probably tell two or three other people. But if they have a bad experience, they will more than likely tell 11 or more people about a bad experience. This is There's been data that shows this. Anymore with online space, this was prior to online, oh, there's probably a whole lot more than 11 that hear about it. <laughs> so the reputation, protection, you know, making sure that you do right by your customers, there's going to be exceptions to that. But uh, one of the other data points that was brought out by this research that was done at the time was that, yeah, they might tell 11 people, but if you go back and correct it, they will be very loyal to you. If you can make them happy after they've been dissatisfied, then you'll have a customer for life. They'll become very loyal to you after that because you've still solved their problems. So Word of mouth still counts. And um, word of mouth is not necessarily word of mouth. It's 
the digitized word on the web. But, you know, if you're a local service business or something, you still have word of mouth that uh, is going to affect your reputation. So it's protecting your reputation that's really key to making sure that other people tell about your business. So that's one of the one of the free ways to be able to protect your business and, and actually get that um, reputation out there for folks to see you. I love that one. It's a almost a serve, not sell type mentality where the more service you provide or the, the customer support, like that feel um, where they feel heard and cared for, especially when something mm-hmm. goes wrong, then they will come mm-hmm. back or they will tell somebody. Absolutely. And it's galvanizing to know that if someone is unhappy, they're probably going to tell three to four times more people than what they did if you are uh, taking care of them. So you certainly want to make sure that you try to correct those problems. So so the next thing on my list is uh, content marketing, and that can be done on social media platforms, YouTube and uh, you know, some of the other social media platforms that are sort of search engines, as well as uh, considered social media. YouTube is one that's a bit of a hybrid that and also um, Pinterest is more of a search engine than uh, social media. Those types of platforms are great for content, as well as your own blog videos that maybe aren't hosted on YouTube, but there are other video hosting sites that you can host on. Podcasts, obviously, is another one. Content marketing coupled with SEO, which is number three on my list, can be a great way to drive traffic to a website. And picking keywords and picking topics and writing for humans is the key to successful content marketing. SEO optimizing that is also part of that. And so those two things go hand in glove. And um, those are two powerful ways to attract an audience without uh, necessarily using the shinier, brighter, busier platforms such as Instagram and TikTok and some of those that are a lot more transient. The, The advantage of SEO is it's a long game. And once your posts and things are ranking, as long as you update those and maintain those, those are gonna stay in a good place for the most part and it'll attract traffic. And it's an evergreen type of content that you're producing. It's not, I post today and in 48 hours, nobody sees that anymore and nobody pays any attention to it. It's gone. It's sort of like a phantom. It just ninjas off and it's gone. You're creating content that has staying power and will be there forever as long as you have that, you're on that platform or you have that website or whatever. So those two things are are really one, the two strategies that I personally am focusing on. I've opted for blogging right now, and um, I'm learning as much as I possibly can about SEO so that I'm writing content for keywords, but also I'm in Facebook groups paying attention to what people are talking about too, because ultimately Google wants you to be talking about what people want. And um, so uh, that's where I've actually created an Excel spreadsheet I have generalized topics. I go into these Facebook groups and I just simply pull out questions people are asking and putting them in categories. So I've got uh, information right there at my fingertips based on what real people are saying and real words that they're using. So this is the way that I'm creating content and actually doing SEO also. 
Yeah. And I like this way too. I mean, this is what my podcast is and I do some blogging as well, but I would preface to pick one. Don't pick all three at the same time. Right. Start with one and then get really good at it and get really good at the SEO. And then maybe you can add another one. But one one question, as you're talking about going into Facebook groups and looking for what people are asking, one question I like to ask in Facebook groups is if you were looking to solve this problem, so let's say it was if you were looking to figure out how to finish a marathon well, what questions would you or what things would you type into Google? And I like asking it that way because it makes them think about what would I type? And whatever they would type is a keyword, oh. right? Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. one of the ways I like to do my market research as well. <laughs> well, and um, another tool that I've started using is, um, you know, a platform that's chat GPT based. And uh, I plug in the question, you, the, the, the skill that is required to get good information from AI tools is a skill in and of itself. And being able to write a good prompt so that you could get good information is key to um, the success of whatever it spits out to you. But asking, you know, prefacing, creating a good prompt of um, describing your audience, describing the information that you want to get from this question sending that, you know, putting that question into chat GPT or whatever other platform you might be using. That's a, uh, an AI uh, language model and asking what problems your audience is typically encountering. And I was surprised at the information that came back to me. It was actually very accurate. Now it's not always accurate. You have to, you have to understand that it's not always going to be accurate. You have to use your own brain to figure out whether it's accurate or not. But that is another way to find what are your, what's your audience pain points. And I got a list of seven pain points. I specifically asked for pain points and every one of them were a reflection of another survey that I'd seen done by a university that had 670 some respondents and that information uh, just gave me more validity also to what I was already run, you know, the road that I, the path I was already going down. That's great. I think we could have a whole conversation on how to use AI effectively. <laughs> so we might have to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So, but yeah, such a great, sure. such great uh, responses. So let's keep going. What's next on your list? Well, I have the good old fashioned email marketing, which before email marketing was, you know, sending out a paper-based newsletter with little postcards all the time in between. So uh, email marketing has saved us a lot of postage, and uh, I'm sure the post post office regrets that. But <laughs> yeah. email marketing, obviously, newsletter, making sure that you're consistent with a newsletter, sending that out, and uh, there's guidelines you can use for newsletters. The three E's: trying to cover education in one newsletter, entertainment in another one, and commerce or um, you know uh, offering folks uh, is the other one. E-commerce, I guess you could say, if you want to look at it that way. So then you're not barraging folks with like buy my thing. Uh, you want people to know that you're interested in, in them by doing a newsletter that might focus on educating them about one of the problems that you've discovered is, you know, a pain point for them, entertaining them with something that's going on in your business. Maybe, uh, maybe it could be somewhat on a personal level, depending on how you are branding yourself, or it could be something on a, that's happening on a business level that's uh, entertaining. Those are the things that tell a story. People like stories 
I am naturally a storyteller. Not everybody is. You could maybe enlist some AI tools where you start with a prompt that has information that is entertaining that you put into the prompt and see what it comes back. You know, you can cherry pick all of these things. And then the last, you know, the, the third one is when you've kind of rotated through these different types of newsletters, put in a newsletter that talks about a product you're going to be releasing. So um, people don't constantly feel like you're being sold. They're being sold to. That's one of the keys with newsletters and email marketing. Send little reminders, send information that they find useful. The the key is consistency. Once a week is kind of a minimum. Some of the email marketing platforms will say two to three times a week as somebody that has an inbox, like most of us, I sometimes go, mm, that seems like a little excessive, but the, their data shows that that increases sales exponentially. The more contact, the more people, either they're going to unsubscribe because there's too much coming into their inbox, or they're going to be more engaged. There's kind of two options there. So email marketing is still key. Those people have raised their hand. They want to hear from you, especially if they're doing opting in with a lead magnet or something. They want to hear from you. You've got something that they want to hear from. And so it's important that you make sure you nurture that. That makes sense. And as especially getting off social media, I was like, well, that's where I nurture people or that's where I engage is in social media. I've turned that focus to be on my email marketing. And so if somebody wants to engage with me, if they want nurturing, that's where they got to go. Come into my newsletter. I will engage with you all day long. I love okay. email. I prefer email over trying to do comments and keep up with social media. And so it's kind of finding that that good nurture spot. So that's kind of what I try to do with my newsletter as well. But I've I've learned stories sell um, telling good stories and, and somewhat being vulnerable as well. I found that sometimes I have a layout that is kind of the same, you know, template. And sometimes I'm like, Hey, mm -hmm. how are you? How are you doing? How can I pray for you today? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it changes, it changes it up and it keeps them on their toes too. So they don't know what to expect all the time. That's yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the, anytime you're, communicating with people in in that kind of setting it feels more intimate there's nobody else around that's reading that i mean people are aware that they're on an email list i'm sure because there's other customers but when you're writing a newsletter or an email it's one to one generally feels you want it to feel like it you're actually talking to that person and that's going to build trust and it's going to build uh, a relationship that at some point down the road, they're going to say, well, I want to really engage with Gabe. I want to know more about her uh, offers. I want to be able to, you know, get coached by her. It, it, I just know her now because she's been telling me all these things about her life. And uh, people, uh, people want to feel like they belong, even if we're not super social creatures by nature. Individuals, you know, are not necessarily always wanting to be in a busy place. We're all hardwired to be social. And um, why else would social media be so explosive? <laughs> because we're all hardwired to be social. But uh, email sort of is more intimate than that. So you can make sure that um, you're speaking to that person specifically in your, in your email marketing. Mm, so good. Awesome. All right. What, what number are we on? Are we on like five or six? I'm on five. We might need to uh, do speed rounds. There you go. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. Well, some of these, yeah, some of these are, are going to probably be, um, you know, 
pretty to the point. We don't have to get too deep into them. These top ones, though, they could go a long ways with a lot of these. So next one I have is guest blogging or podcasting. So, you know, here we are, Gabe. Uh, I'm a guest on your podcast. And what I see here is an excellent way for you as a business person um, being able to reach an audience you would not have access to before. In other words, partnering with someone that has a similar audience to yours, but taking a different angle on a certain problem and presenting that to, um, to their audience and working collaboratively with uh, those, uh, that uh, blogger or that podcaster to introduce a concept that, that um, isn't normally in the uh, host's repertoire. So you want to find, um, you know, when you when you pitch to these people, you want to make sure that you um, have some ideas in mind that you would like to share. Oh, I see that, you know, I've been listening to your podcast or watching your blog. I see you haven't addressed this. Would you mind? Would you be interested in having me as a guest and I can address this problem? This is kind of my deal. And um, making sure that you're bringing helpful content to that person's audience because everybody wants to be able to engage their audience on another level. So these are two really powerful ways to, to reach an audience that isn't yours, but is already engaged in a problem or a so looking for a solution um, in that space. Mm, yeah. I love this one because I do this as well. And I love, because I can make a, I can do a podcast swap so I can go on someone else's show. They can come on mine. But one thing I look at now that I get a lot of podcast pitches um, is I look for it being more personal. Like I look for them to mm -hmm. actually talk about my audience and what they could cover in a unique way that might not have been covered before. Instead of coming and saying, hey, I just wrote a book. Would you like to promote me? Right. So it's right. like coming in with the <laughs> audience in mind more than yourself in mind. Um, that's Those are the ones that pop out to me. So that's just a little tip for if you do pitch. Right, exactly. And and why I mentioned that, you know, bring mm -hmm. some ideas to the to the the host saying, Yeah, I, I think your audience would like to uh would be interested in this particular uh information because it's a problem that I know it exists, whatever that happens to be, and um and give some options for uh different topics that they could pick from even. Yeah. And I love how you said it that way, because I know for you, mm -hmm. you didn't pitch me. I pitched you. I was like, I need you to come on and talk about <laughs> yeah. social media, which happens too. <laughs> but if you were to pitch me the way you were sharing, I'd have been like, oh yeah, I need you on, you know? So it's, it's all about right. the way you frame it. Right. Exactly. Uh, you want to frame it so that you see you are serving others. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. This whole thing is about serving others. I know that's gotten, so it sounds cliche, but in my particular business, I'm interested in in serving those folks that have animals that want to better care for their animals, and specifically sheep. And so that's my mission. I'm out there to make every sheep healthy and happy and well-nourished because their humans are educated and their humans know what to do. And so that's what I, that's the lens of which I look at everything that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I love that. Very good. All right. I'm going to let you roll. 
What's next? Public relations. This is kind of a broad umbrella, and some of the things we're talking about here would fit underneath that. Um, your word of mouth is somewhat a public relations topic, but this might mean uh, reaching out to media. Uh, there are still print publications out there, and those print publications have to work hard to find content they can put in their print publication because they are competing with the online space. And a lot of them have online components to what they do already, but they are always looking for something. And there's still a section of people in the world that are read trade publications. They read uh, newspapers and those media outlets are looking for something. There's radio programs. So you can pitch those uh, media outlets with a story about your business, how unique it is. Maybe it's a new product that you think will be in the marketplace. Um, and that can help you get exposure to people you wouldn't necessarily get exposure to online. So keeping in mind, you know, developing your own public relations email list where there are reporters and things. Also, Caro, it's help a reporter out is a website that can also help you get into the media because reporters are always looking for experts and quotes and things from experts for articles that they're writing. That's another way to get your uh, name out and with credentials behind it because you're getting a third-party endorsement whenever you're working with the media like that. And people automatically say, oh, well, because it's being published in a newspaper or on a radio program or in some other form that's supposed to be an impartial third party, they see that as an endorsement and your credibility is higher because of that. So I like those ideas. Yeah. Like the the media yeah. is here. <laughs> Even if it's not the as much print, here. it's online now most of the time, but it's here. Right, right, right. It is here. And um, and again, they're always looking for information. They're always looking for stories. They've got to survive by that. By that, So that is still a viable option. So another I one I have is networking, and this can be industry events. Um, there's some industries that are really starting to come back with um, – with events that are in person, um, these could be online events, getting to know other businesses and other people, professionals uh, in your group, in your industry, as well as customers in your industry. So those are useful, uh, particularly if you have a service business that you may focus on local, and uh, those are helpful. And joining uh, Toastmasters, which is a public speaking group, uh, joining your local chamber, those are all ways that you can work within your community. And even if you are an online business and you feel like you're wanting to reach out beyond that, people local will know and spread the word to other local people. And maybe that feels like just a tiny reach. But on the other hand, um, you never know where that's going to go. You really don't. I have sown seeds, little networking seeds at trade shows and things like that. Uh, and two, three, four years later, somebody comes back to me and says, oh, well, I met you or I heard about you through somebody at this event. And it's always shocking to me that it takes that long for that seed to sprout, but it eventually sprouts. And so those are ways that you you play the long game and you, you know, reach out, uh, learn how to meet people at those events. Community involvement is another one, and that's similar, similar things. Maybe you sponsor events for your community. Maybe you sponsor events for online summits, uh, your community could be 
maybe just uh, even in your Facebook community, but being involved in those community events are also important for putting a face on your on your business. So those are two other ways that are similar, but still different ways to get the word out. So my number nine is cross promotion, where you are partnering with a complementary business, not necessarily someone in your, in your own space, but a complementary business. So, and you promote each other's products. So in the case of MySpace, where I'm working with people that are homesteaders, uh, that are that might have animals, I might approach a business that has animal feed and say, hey, are you interested in working together if you are interested in educating your customers about how to nutrient nutrition and, and how to feed their animals, I am interested in sharing your information with them about the feed products that you have. So they're complementary, not uh, competing with one another. So that's another way to build uh, credibility for one thing, particularly on who you decide to cross-promote with. And then also uh, reaching an audience that's your audience as well, but they're not the people that are aware of you. So that's another way. Mm, love that. Here's one that a lot of folks are intimidated by, but number 10 on my list is public speaking. This can be kind of scary. A lot of people don't feel comfortable with, um, with getting up in front of a group or a stage, but you can find yourself sometimes asked to do that. And then there's an opportunity for you to speak on a topic that's an important one for your audience. This might be in person. It could be online on a webinar. Those are a great way to reach out to talk about a topic that not only increases your credibility, but maybe helps solve a problem for your audience. And public speaking engagements can be at trade shows they can be at industry events where it's uh, just a meeting, an industry meeting. There's all kinds of ways where you can get in front of small and large groups that help you uh, improve your credibility. And public speaking is is one of those ways. Mm, I love this one too, because I, it's an important one because when you get in front of even a live audience, sometimes it's just so engaging, but you get to meet them too. You get to connect in a different way. But also even starting out doing a more virtual, like you said, I could see summits like virtual summits or virtual conferences being that way to get your feet wet and get yourself into the door and get comfortable with being able to speak in front of people um, so that when those live opportunities come, you might be more apt to say yes. Right, exactly. And I mentioned Toastmasters earlier and um, Toastmasters is, is, you know, a national organization, but they have local chapters. And if you really feel like you want to do what we used to call the rubber chicken circuit. <laughs> I don't think it's called that anymore, but when uh, before online business and everybody was trying to get in front of audiences, this was a big deal to try to get in front of audiences with your message. And uh, maybe you were speaking to the local chamber. Maybe you were speaking at a national industry event. Maybe you were speaking at a regional uh, trade show and sharing your expertise or knowledge about a specific skill. This was a huge way for people to get the word out prior to online, and people were pretty involved with honing their public speaking skills if they were serious about this particular option as a way to get the word out about their business. And so Toastmasters is one way, if you're serious about it, that helps you hone your skills at public speaking. 
Awesome. That's a great resource. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, number 11 on my list is referral programs. And I'm going to lump that in also with affiliates, even though they're somewhat different. Referrals come from existing customers. Affiliates are people that are interested in promoting your product. Maybe they have a similar product and you fit into their repertoire, but they are not existing customers. So both of these types of programs are perfect for getting the word out once again to an audience that you may not be able to reach if you're working with an affiliate or if you have happy customers, they're happy to refer your program to other friends and family or their circle, then both of them, both referrals and affiliates will uh, receive a monetary benefit or some other benefit, but generally it's monetary. And a lot of uh, learning management, well, some learning management systems as well as plugins and other software available for both these types of programs so that it can be tracked and um, you can make sure that you compensate the people that uh, bring in those extra customers to you. I've been using referral programs for a long time. Uh, when I have happy customers, I would give them a discount on the next order. It was very informal. There was no software involved. It was 25, 30 years ago. But I uh, said, if you bring me uh, an order, I will discount your next order. And that not only assures that you have repeat business, but you have a new customer out of the deal. So, uh, and I was willing to pay happy customers on every single referral they brought in. So that's a very good way to expand your audience because people already are happy. You're going to tell others about it. And uh, I just think this is a, a great way to reach people who uh, they're already being screened by the person that's doing the referral because they go, Oh, I know that you will find this useful. They already are, are, are qualifying the individual that they're referring. So that's helpful too. You're not wasting time with uh, you know somebody that maybe isn't serious about your program. So that's mm. a great way to reach out to people. Yeah, I like that way. And I've used both as well. Referrals are great for service-based businesses, especially for coaching. Like anyone who has a client or a contracted a contract available, um, because it will those are usually a little bit higher end pricing as well. And mm-hmm. it is a way for it just to be it becomes that word of mouth too, the referral. And someone refers their friend, mm-hmm. their friend refers a different friend, and it becomes these different spaces that you wouldn't have had before. And with my, I do an affiliate program for my, my courses that I created. And what I like about it is I'm okay with giving them a 50% commission because I would have never sold to the person they sold to had they not promoted it. And so I think it's a great way to get uh, eyes on your different products or services, either way, referrals or affiliate or a mixture of both. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. You wouldn't be reaching those people if you didn't have somebody referring them. So that's, that is the perfect way to expand your audience and you're getting a third party endorsement And it. It's um, tempered by the fact that somebody is getting a referral fee for it. But as far as the individual that's being referred, they're going to look at that and say, well, this person's my friend. I trust my friend. I, I believe what they have to say. So the fact that they are getting paid 
may or may not even have any bearing on it whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And I know I affiliate for different programs and products, but I only affiliate for those that I um, believe in, that I have tried, that I like, that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. And so I don't pick things that I've never done before, or I don't know the person or whatnot. Absolutely. And that is the most powerful way to do it. You would be hard pressed to be as good of an affiliate promoter, even if you have never tried it yourself anyway, because it's genuine when you know that you, what you are promoting and that you're satisfied with it. Exactly. So I have trade shows on my list. Trade shows are different from marketing events, and um, sometimes they're in conjunction with marketing events and and or industry conferences because it's often where you pay for a certain space in a building, and you're there specifically to promote your product, and you're there for a specific, specific time in your booth, and these have been great for my businesses that I've had in the past, particularly when I mentioned earlier that I was in uh, the art business, trade shows were a big deal. And you went to usually a large city and it was a national event or even somewhat regional, but large regional event. And you paid to be there to meet and greet everybody that came through and you can build uh, your mailing list And those people that you meet have met you in the flesh and they're interested in, if they're interested in what you have, it's really a warm lead because those leads have talked to you. And then uh, some trade shows in the past have ensured that you get a list of all the participants. So you would be able to build your email list that way. And then any contact information that you gather at the trade show is yours to follow up on later. So COVID was hard on the trade shows, but I'm seeing them come back with industry events. There's almost always a trade show with it. And um, it's, you know, the trade show aspect of it is specifically for exposure to your business and making sales. Most of the time you can take orders right there, uh, depending on the business that you're in. You can contact people Uh, give them your contact information. There's a lot of benefits in the one-on-one contact. It's expensive because you're not meeting as many people all at once, but the people that you do meet and get information from are quality leads. And trade shows used to be thousands of people coming through. So it's a legitimate, another legitimate way to reach out to, especially industry specific events. Yeah, I love that. I didn't know that um, in trade shows, a lot of times you get the contacts of people who were there. That's a great uh, benefit of being a part of them. Right. Depends on the organizers and, um, you know, what trade shows you're attending. But when I attended trade shows in the art business, that was part of the perks that you were to receive the mailing list of all of the participants that were there, whether they came through your booth or not. So that was a big deal. I had to an extensive e or extensive um then it was not email but extensive mailing list as a result of these trade shows that I would do so it was a list building tool for me as well yeah that's great perfect all right what else do you have for us maybe we'll rapid fire these last few that are on your list yep 
Yep, just two, just two. And the simple, the, the simplest one is the business cards. You know, uh, your business card says a lot about you, and business cards are st- uh, still important part of your branding. And uh, when you have meet someone in person and they want to learn more about your business and you don't have a business card, you're losing out on an opportunity for them to go home or, you know, look at your website. It's a tangible piece of you. It can say a lot about your business, particularly if it's a quality card, maybe it's even something like a postcard. If you're in a highly visual business, uh, one of the things I used to do is give an oversized postcard or excuse me, an undersized postcard, oversized business card with a piece of my artwork on it. And then on the backside was my contact information. And people could go home, put that on the refrigerator. It may not fit in, quote unquote, the old Rolodex, but um, that was one of the ways that they would remember me. A business card can speak a lot about your business by how it appears and your image. And particularly if you're going to these networking events, it just doesn't seem like business cards are quite as important as they used to be at one time. And yet, if you have one, it makes it look like you are more a professional person. And then the last one is paid advertising. Paid advertising could be done in trade publications, could be done online with Google Ads or some of the other venues. Uh, I know little to nothing about Facebook ads, but that's still an option. YouTube has ads every platform I know has ads is just going to be uh, one of those things that you will have to suss out for your program and if that fits and fits your budget because obviously that's going to cost some money so uh, but that is another non-social media way to promote your business yeah I think that's a great way too because you're directing to your specific target audience and the advertisement is kind of finding them for you. Now, I, like you said, you kind of have to play with it. One, play with the budget, but also play with the messaging and figure out what resonates and what you're trying to pull them to. If it's a free option to get on the email list or if it's one of your paid services or products. But um, I, I know I'm going to be kind of experimenting with that soon here as well, because I'm kind of ready to test mm. the waters in it and see what is this advertising like and how can it work in our businesses? Um, and so I, I like that one a lot too. Now it might not be the one you want to start with, right? Because we want to look at maybe some more organic growth yeah. beforehand, but when you're ready for it, it's there for you. Exactly. And that is one of the caveats with advertising is you need to have an email list built. You need to be thinking about your SEO, all these other tactics we talked about, and you don't employ all of these tactics just at once. Pick one or two to focus on and get those up and going and then add on later some of the other ones. There's others that are kind of no-brainers like printing a business card. What That's a one and done. That isn't a big deal. And, you know, there's others. But the fact of the matter is, is getting your organic audience in a stable and, and lo- fairly decent sized is key to have in place before we start putting money into advertising because done correctly, advertising can be really powerful. Done incorrectly, it can be a real bloodletting, so to speak. And most of us have a limited budget and uh, can't afford to have uh, non-productive advertising happening. Yeah, that's so true. So true. So I love all of these tips and these 
ways to get off of social media and market in an alternative way that you've brought to us, Cheryl. And I think the main thing for us to focus on, like you said, is to pick a couple of the ways at first and really focus on them and then kind of test the waters and all the different ones and find the ones that work for you. Is there any other takeaway that you'd love to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Anything else that you can think of that has to do with getting off social media and thinking in outside of the box with marketing? Um, test. Test what works for you. Take a tactic that's in this list and and test it. And give it a give it an honest test. Don't try it once and say that's not working. Adjust and try again and see how it works for you. And if it doesn't work after multiple iterations, move on to the next thing. But testing is really key. You know, uh, I used print advertising because that was the only kind of advertising that was available at the time I was doing some of the things with uh, magazines and stuff. And it took, it was expensive to test. The beauty of what we're doing in the online space is you can test for virtually nothing. You can do A-B tests on your newsletter with different subject lines. You can test two different ads in your Facebook advertising and use different lead magnets, uh, use different platforms for developing your email list. We didn't talk about it a lot, but there are some less social media platforms and there are more social media platforms. We talked about that a little bit up front. Instagram being very much, you know, and TikTok and some of those as being very much social, social. Pinterest is a lot more quiet. Try out a platform that is more of a search engine and creating content that is evergreen. So testing what works for you. And you might find some of these platforms just simply are not in alignment with the way you want to do business. And some of these things are not in alignment. You may never want to get on the stage and be a public speaker, but there's other ways, you know, maybe you're willing to stand at a trade show. Maybe you're willing to be part of a summit, maybe a webinar is intimidating. So testing things out and not in a random way, but in a systematic way. Yeah. What a great tangible way that we can put this into practice and start kind of murking the waters and seeing what works. So I appreciate the wisdom mm -hmm. that you've brought here, Cheryl, and you taking the time out to be able to share all of these different ways with us. Now, I know some of my listeners are going to want to connect with you. And I do have some who are a little bit more natural minded, some who are a little bit more homesteading types, who probably <laughs> are interested mm -hmm. in sheep too. So can you tell us um, one of the best ways for them to connect with you? Well, it's not on social media. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. So, um, the best way to reach me is uh, at my website, sheepschool.com, um, sheepschool.com. And there's uh, ways to reach out to me there. Cheryl at sheepschool.com is an email. And I'm happy to answer emails from folks and definitely interested in learning more about what I do. Awesome. You are such a blessing, Cheryl. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or share it with a friend as this helps grow the podcast. Also, if you're not a part of Simplicity and Motherhood, consider joining us. It's a free online community built to provide support and encouragement so you can create balance and live intentionally as you go after your biggest goals, God's way.
Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.